Hello and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of hitting blend when the lid isn't on properly. Oh my days. Again, is this something that you've uh, taken from recent experience? Uh, uh, well, no, so I don't use the blender. I'm not licensed to use the blender in the kitchen. I'm still oh. a trainee blender user. Oh, I see. Unfortunately, so Maddie's the expert in in our house to sort of she's. Do you, do you need a license? You do. You she's, she's is she is she is she, she Daryl in the office going? Yeah. Uh, should you touch? Should you drive the forklift? Yeah, exactly. and, you're like, and you're like you're like Michael going. Well, I have driven the forklift. Like no, exactly. you should never yeah. drive the forklift. <laughs> Only unless absolutely necessary can you use the blender. Blender. Only an extreme. When is there ever an extreme circumstance where you have to use the blender? It's those, those kind of conversations. Well, I yeah. had my I had my license for the toaster revoked after the incident. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, okay. I decided the, to... the the one with the knife. No, no it, well, it wasn't that one. No, that was strike one. Strike two oh, was the okay. time I tried to cook cook bacon in it. Uh, oh, <laughs> I mean, we've all been, we've all been there. Exactly. If you get it just right. It's it's all about towing the line. It's walking a tightrope <laughs> yeah. with the old cooking bacon in the toaster. But if you get it right, yeah. I mean, it can yield some fantastic results. And the suggestions were of things like, you know, if I'm having a bath and I want some fresh hot toast, I don't feel that I should be restricted until when I should have toast. I I no, should be as an not. adult. I should be allowed to have a bath and have a toaster set up next to the bath ready if I ever need it. Do you know what I mean? And well, I just yeah. think, and that's my right. That's my right. As a that human. is your right <laughs> as a grown ass adult. <laughs> and I don't get it. I'm, I honestly, genuinely, mate, I might, you, I might actually just rebel. You know, you were taught your health and safety growing yeah. up, and you, you, you take, you pick and choose those lessons as you see fit. You, you know, do. The, yeah. the beauty of being grown up is you have the right to do so. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, 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 to be, to be honest. It's the same, and it's the same argument with all the utensils. You know, I, when I try and get them used, you know, and, and I, again, this lockdown's become a real pain for us because I I'm, I miss being outside and stuff because I, I used to love, you know, watching all the, you know, the, the the kids and the young teens having water fights in the park, and I used Absolutely. to I used to join in. You know, no one could beat me with my kettle. You know what I mean? No one could no, beat me. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> I was not. unbeatable. I was the best and, at the water fights. But ab- absolutely. And to be to be clear about how these went down, you weren't flinging water from an open kettle. It was just the whole kettle, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the whole kettle plugged in through the air. Yeah. Through the air. And the best thing is, Alex, is when the kettle hits. I've got a really shitty kettle, as you know. Like it's fallen to pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it, it's just bad. I mean, it's just bad, and it's because I'm a cheapo and I don't buy new things for myself because yeah, yeah. I don't appreciate myself in that way. But it's because when I can hit the kettle and it hits a kid in the head, then that's when the, the lid comes off. Yeah. It's ma- it's really good. It's really really. So, good. so you get so you get the blunt trauma. Yeah. And yeah. then the soaking. It's honestly me. And they and they love it. And the parents yeah. are high fiving. What like, I will strike. That's what yeah, they say. What, what I will say about your kettle <laughs> is it does have amazing cord strength because your 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 technique when flinging this kettle is akin to an Olympic hammer throw. It's yeah, akin to yeah, an yeah, Olympic yeah. hammer throw. You is hold it, it yeah. by the plug. You hold uh-huh. it by the plug. Yeah. And then you just start pivoting on the spot Release, faster yeah. and faster and faster. And I've watched this from the window. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's quite a tech it's quite a technique. And the, and if you train in the dark, it adds a little bit extra danger because no one knows where it's gonna go. This is true. So this you, is 100% it's really, true. It's really good. This pandemic, though, mate, eh? No, you, can't have, you can't have fun anymore. No. You can't, <laughs> you can't do the, the fun old police way. are out. Exactly. The fun police no are out. No more kettles. 
How have you been? <laughs> I'm all right. That was fantastic. I'm keeping I that in, aren't that. we? I'm keeping that in. Yeah, let's keep that in. I'm good. I'm good. I miss you. I feel like I've not seen you. No, I know. I've uh, you've only seen me in two D form. Yeah, two D two D form. Now, I mean, I'll pre- preface that by saying obviously nobody is seeing anyone at the mm, moment. You mm. know, there's no, there's no, no, uh, no two ways about that. But you know, usually we have regular phone conversations and stuff like that. And I just got to got to last night thinking, oh, I've got 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 podcast in the morning i was like oh, i've actually spoken to the boy in a fair wee while yeah i i thought something i mean i the i i guess the inclination in my voice was slightly different when i had that same thought which is oh what the podcast tomorrow but i haven't spoken to him in a while <laughs> <laughs> oh, we man. are a music and movies podcast and each week we will discuss the hottest of topics alongside the most interesting of subject matters. And then when we are discussing those, we will look at how the music is overlaid to reflect what we are seeing on the screen. Yes, this is what we do every week <laughs> without fail. Without fail. And I must I must admit, I so we're doing Chicago, what was it, Trial of Chicago 7? The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh-huh. And... This was one of these movies, much like a lot of you who are listening to this, that you probably saw this drop on Netflix and you maybe weren't initially drawn to it because you think, oh, courtroom drama or maybe it's quite a heavy subject, quite a, quite a you know, a very, very politicized subject and a subject that's kind of quite relevant in the news at the moment. And I've, I've got an yeah. interesting fact on that. But, wow. wow. I didn't expect what I, what I watched. I was not no, neither expecting did I. that. I have a question right off the bat. Go for it. When did this come out in Netflix in the UK? Uh, I thought it was a couple of months ago. I thought was it, it was. Yeah, I thought it was around. In fact, I thought it was sort of December 2020. Because I saw on the internet that it came out in like October, November. Oh, it does. Yeah, 16th of October 2020. Was that worldwide? Because I don't remember seeing it on Netflix back in October. Uh, that's a bloody good question. That's a really good... Well, as we know, that seems to be happening with films that are dropping onto Netflix recently that maybe they aren't quite as new as we thought. Yeah. We'll get back, we'll get back to that one at the yeah, end and moving forward. Yeah, it will. But, uh, but that's, a really good, that's a really good question. No, it's one of these movies that I think I've seen quite a lot at the, the, the kind of on your Netflix to-watch to list and stuff, but I've never really yeah. got round to it. And the reason I ask that question is because of the overall... What is the trial about in this movie? Well, and yeah. the the trial yeah. is quite literally about inciting insurrection. Mm. Mm-hmm. So in regard interesting in regards mm. to in regards to the film's timely subject matter in 2020, Aaron. What's the point? It's impossibly timely. Uh-huh. It's imp- it, like, you can't make that up. If this dropped mm-hmm. in October. There's some divine providence at work. Yeah, for that for for that timing. The 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 parallels of seeing like I think the timing of us watching it was just beautiful. Yeah, because we saw on screen these citizens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting absolutely annihilated by the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For inciting interaction was which was basically that, and then in real life we're seeing an ex president. On trial, yeah, for the exact same bloody thing, yeah, but in real life, he gets off scot free. Yeah, of course he did. He was always going to, and he gets off scot free, 
1969, which I was talking to Elham about this, when we talk about things happening in 1969, that should be generations ago. We should have learned lessons in that time frame between then and now. Yeah. And you think, oh, these guys got convicted. This guy didn't. Yeah. This guy was right now. This was back when. Yeah, yeah. No, we've you've... made we've made no progress in humanity. Well, I mean, Aaron Sorkin described the film as being more about modern day than the 1960s. He ex- yeah, I can see that. He explained that the script didn't change to mirror the times. The times changed to mirror the script. Right. Just kind of haunting, really, isn't it? When you're like, oh god, like it really kind of just hits that point home. It's a very Aaron Sorkin thing. To it say. is a very Aaron Sorkin. It's a very Aaron Sorkin thing to say because as much as I love everything that he writes, I get the sense that he's an insufferable prick. Yeah, I think he. I think he. I think, <laughs> I think he does he really knows, like himself. I think he knows that he's the smartest man in the room. Yeah, and the best writer. And I think he. And I think he struts. Yeah, he I, th- probably, I think yeah. he struts in his writing. But you know what? I actually forgot that Aaron Sorkin made this when I sat down to watch it. Mm. Obviously, I watched trailers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and things, and I got myself excited to watch it. But then actually watching the movie, I completely forgot it was written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm. And then about halfway through, right the way to the end, I was just watching this thinking over and over in my head. This is the best episode of The West Wing. Well, it is. It's, it's, the West, it's The West Wing. It's a little bit of social network, obviously. There's a f- obviously A Few Good Men, which he famously wrote that 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 story as well. Again, another kind of courtroom drama piece. And so, yeah, I mean, this is his, this is his go-to. But yeah. I, I was almost getting hints of obviously with the the number seven in the title and stuff i was almost because it was all kind of happening in the same room there was almost hints of like hatefully esque sort of thing all the different characters and how they were bringing in the different the different plots and the different stories and maybe why different people were there you know i liked it when they turned to the two guys and they kind of went you're the fall guy you're you're the guys so that the jury can let two people away so they don't feel bad like that's why they've brought you guys in and I, yeah. I thought things like that were really interesting. No, I loved the structure of the movie, which was not here were here are the events and here is the aftermath. It was straight in at here is the trial. And the title of the movie says it all, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. So the whole movie is the trial. Yeah. And then as things are coming up in the timeline of the trial is when we as the audience then get to see them in flashback. Y- yes, yes, which yes. Is a very very effective way of really dramatizing a, a a case like this yeah because you know sometimes when you get when you get the events first and then the trial afterwards we're just kind of sitting there going huh trials are pretty boring aren't they yeah exactly exactly <laughs> this one wasn't <laughs> no no it wasn't so daniel pemberton did the score for this and i and i he guess did. i want to i want to talk a little bit about some of the tracks so you know he's he he's kind of been famous for a couple of things he he was attached to yesterday which is the one of the movies that i'm really quite keen to watch which is the the, the sort of the new beats one he's been yeah. attached as a kind of a, a sort of soundtrack producer for quite a lot of hollywood stuff recently everything from like venom to the grand tour um you know i think he was he's been attached to like even video games little big planet Two and stuff like so he's so he's got quite a, quite an interesting background. I think his most recent composing was Enola Holmes. Did you see Enola Holmes? I've not seen Enola Holmes. It's on my watch list. No, I've I'll not watched honest. it either. And I would like to watch it if for no other reason than I like Millie Bobby Brown. Mm-hmm. I think she's great in Stranger Things, and I've, I'd I'd love to see her take on a Holmesian kind of role. Which, yeah. by the way, like 
quietly in the age of superhero movies can we not just take a minute to realize how many adaptations of sherlock holmes there there have been in like the last yeah it's years? ridiculous it's, yeah it's 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 really it's i think it's i think i actually read an article it's he's the most adapted literary character in history him or batman maybe if you think about the amount of people that probably voiced or acted or sort of batman i would probably say well i don't i see i'd be very interested interested to see if comic books and specifically batman as you say are included in that oh i see or if they're they're kind of omitted i couldn't or literally just literary i see oh yeah i don't really know i don't i don't know i mean i i can't really there's not really a reason why they shouldn't be Mm. no you're probably probably right yeah sherlock holmes would probably be the most yeah goodness oh no no doubt when i'm editing this i'll think of a hundred and and then and i'll have the urge to 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 re-record myself saying it. Absolutely, you'll have the power. You have a microphone. You could just plug but, straight back in and go that. But I won't. That I, I just can't be arsed. I just. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's uh, we'd we'd ra- we'd much rather pose the questions and then not. Answer yeah, exactly. Them you answer at home, right in. But the the Daniel Pemberton, the first track that I really want to talk about on his score was "We're Going to Chicago." Oh. How many times have you listened to it? I, I so so many times. I've, I've listened to it like I, I've I listened to it like five times back to back this morning. I to, I, I sat myself down and I said I'm going to listen to the whole thing start to finish, and then I just repeated. Yeah, we're going to Chicago. We're going to Chicago like five or six times, which is no mean feat because um, it's like seven minutes. Yeah, long. it's a long track. <laughs> do you know what I thought? It, do you know what it reminded me of? That whole sequence at the start. I well, see. It it reminded me. It reminded me of something. Should I say what it reminded me of, and then yeah. maybe maybe it's the same thing? Yeah, well, I'm, re- I'm really excited about things like this. Yeah, did it remind you of Ocean's Eleven? Oh no, no, it didn't. Oh. It reminded me it... of One Day More. the The start of Les Mis, uh, the the midpoint in Les Mis. How we're oh, kind of the song, the song Les Mis. Les Mis, yeah. How they're how they're kind of it's they're building up to the trial. They're all talking about you know they're going to the trial tomorrow, so they're going to be the trial. It's starting, um, or, or or as we probably know better, uh, as uh, La Resistance lives on, uh, from oh yeah, <laughs> from, from the time <laughs> tomorrow night <laughs> we find in from the South Park musical, <laughs> exactly, the greatest exactly. movie musical ever made. But that but that's what I was thinking. But yeah, I guess no, Ocean's Eleven as well. I was thinking Ocean's Eleven because even though they were all going separately, it was very much. It was very much like getting the gang together. Mm, mm. I kind of thought, and it had that sort of casino-y music. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. About yeah. it, like quite funky, very, very driven. Uh-huh. Kind of, we're busy planning, we're busy plotting. Yeah, and that that kind of thing. And again, the bloody Rick and Morty sketch <laughs> of, of just Rick, ruined it for you has rick it? sanchez you son of a bitch i am just like i'm just oh i just need somebody to say it i just yeah, need somebody yeah. to say it <laughs> but you know actually just whilst we're talking about that and all the different groups because we've got people from relatively different political ideologies but ultimately feeling the same level of injustice towards the insurgents in Vietnam and, and you know, and, the, and the, the kind of the Nixon administration that was obviously just kind of on, on the cusp or on the horizon. And you've got, you've got basically, it's, it's obviously, so, so it was Lyndon Johnson resigning or, or no longer being the president and Nixon stepping in. I God, I'm going to yeah. butcher that. Someone's going to probably write in and say oh, that's wrong. Yeah, but, I mean... but, but, but the point I'm trying to make is you've got Sasha Brown's co-character, Abby Hoffman, who is, 
and and there was I, I sorry again like I I made some notes on this character then my notes got deleted it's a whole thing I'm sorry like I, I've done this before I know I'm not going to learn but I will I'm I'm freeballing here but I had some really interesting thoughts on Abby Hoffman's character because Abby Hoffman as a as a political idea like as a uh, the her um, her his ideology of what he's trying to achieve he, it's the way that he kind of goes around doing this but he's also a fiercely intelligent person like yeah. so so intelligent and there was a line that's kind of said around this sort of time where it's like progr- progressive the, the the legacy of of progression in the united states is going to be remembered by people like you and uh, that was, I think it was Mark Lyons' character or, or it was Eddie Redmayne's character basically having a go at him kind of near the end of the film saying that. And I thought that was a really interesting statement because when you think of the the protesting around that era of, 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 um, of American history, you're kind of assuming that it's like it's a big hippie movement. And I yeah. think the, the idea of a hippie movement is that they're all kind of smoking drugs and they're all dope and stuff. It's- I know. And what's really, really interesting is Eddie Redmayne's character did rail against that yeah well tom hayden mm. basically says it's because in 50 years time everyone's gonna look back on this movement and just see your face yeah and your picture and not associate it with our ideas but yeah. our lifestyle choices yeah and and i'm watching this scene going oh, in a way he's kind of right yeah exactly yeah i in thought a, the same in thing. a way in a way he's kind of right you look back in, on this period of political movement and you see the the hilarious placard that that, that you know the peace simple mm. simple but there was a hilarious placard in one of the very opening shots of this movie that said this is a picture of a chicken's footprint mm. <laughs> yeah yeah like you uh, so that so that kind of symbology jimmy hendrix woodstock yeah you know all of those kind of movements and actually, in, in another in another piece of Netflix drama that I'm watching at the moment, Firefly Lane, which was very very good, I might mention. Oh, that's the um, that's the um, from Scrubs. I forget her name. Uh, Sarah Chalk. Sarah Chalk. And yeah. Catherine Heigl, Catherine but Heigl. no no longer blonde. And uh, yeah, one of the characters in there is very much of that movement, mm. and but with heavy heavy drug addiction and going down that kind of right side yeah. side of things and then i think the number of depictions in media from that time is just all sex drugs and rock and roll yeah yeah you know cultural revolution which is what abby keeps saying mm. was manifesting in those things that we in the 21st century still as a society view as antisocial yeah frankly and but but they also did a really great point of pick of of, of during the the kind of the march on the hill with mark rubin being uh, jerry jerry rubin being the other uh be, being the being the other kind of i guess activist who's who's abby's partner in crime being able to kind of show compassion when the you know when they were talking about the woman who was on the shoulders with the american flag and the frat boys were having a go at her and then you know like quite clearly they were in they were inciting they were beginning to incite sexual assault and then you know and then jerry rubin jumps on them and actually like really you know really stands up for her and actually goes no he's you know he's actually a person that these guys are not only fiercely intelligent they're also full of integrity and their moral compass is actually is, is actually bang on um yeah it, it's really interesting it was Absolutely. really interesting it's interesting it's really interesting you brought up that scene actually because one of the things i was sort of compelled to do after watching this movie is going right as somebody that 
one is too young. Mm. So I don't, I, I did not live through any of this mm. and also not American. Mm. So I haven't really inherited much of this because frankly, I didn't, I'm going to hold my hands up. I didn't know any of this. No, story. me neither. No, I didn't go into any of this and they go, it's one of the most infamous trials in history. I'm like, is it? I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I love learning about it, yeah. but a small part of me feels like I, sh- I shouldn't, know, I should know this stuff. Mm. I should know this stuff. But what I was compelled to do was to go onto the internet and yes, I do love clear your browser history. It's a magical thing. Clear my browser history, uh-huh. and then Google the historical inaccuracies of the movie. I've got them all here, mate. Because I've what got them all. so you've got them all here. Yeah. But I think as a well, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to rattle through them and then I'll say, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, yeah. You know, if I think I care about them or not. Yeah, no worries. So Dave, I think that probably works. So Dave Dellinger. Uh, we'll start with him. So um, committed, uh, he was a committed pacifist. He never actually hit a courtroom officer or anyone during the trial. In fact, the real Dellinger remained peaceful in the courtroom, even when a marshal struck one of Dellinger's children. Wow. Yeah. So, so that was a historical inaccuracy for that character. Um, and that was a, it was, this, the writing of some of those sequences was heartbreaking. You know, when he hit him, he was passionate, he was angry. There's something about this movie just made, it really did that for me. It really lit that fire for me. That yeah, that does. just like anarchy fire. And I and I it did it in such a brilliant way. And that sequence where he stands up and he punches the you know the courtroom um, the the police officer, and then he just starts going, "I'm really sorry. Like I'm re- like I I am really sorry." Yeah, like immediately. And his kid looks horrified uh-huh. as well. Uh, do you want the next one? So ju- no, I... Judge Hoffman, do you want me to give you the historical inaccuracies on on him? Yeah, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a list of inaccuracies. So Judge Ho- uh, yeah, no, Judge Hoffman's appalling treatment of Bobby Seal is actually true, but if anything, it was worse than what was depicted in the movie. During the real trial, Seal was gagged and chained as shown. But the film implies that this only happens once for the short time and that this is the egregious nature of of his treatment immediately shamed the prosecution into moving for a mistrial and a separate trial for Seal. In fact, Seal was first bound and gagged on October 29th, 1969, and he had to appear in court that way every day until his trial was served on the 5th of November same year. Jeez, and oh, and and I guess then that probably just prompts us to chat around that sequence and that scene because that was, that that was really really difficult to watch. Obviously, um, after the mur- it was it was the murder uh, of Fred Hampton that, that in the film basically like spawned him on to 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 act that way and just just be completely belligerent to any any sort of. The, the, any anyone from the prosecution asking him to kind of remain calm you know he was he was beyond furious beyond livid like there's there's no yeah. other way you can get that i mean so the, the, the and then the next inaccuracy akin to that is the movie also shows fred hampton's murder as the real reason for seal's outburst subsequent gagging and chaining however hampton's death occurred after seal's trial had already been served and seal was no longer present at the trial uh, of the other seven so he wasn't actually there yeah uh, for a lot of it uh, and and then there was the, the only other historical accuracy I have was about the Daphne O'Connor, you know, the the undercover uh, agent. She oh yeah, she didn't exist. She didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't exist. So I read about a couple of other inaccuracies. Go for it. 
So the scene that you mentioned about the sexual assault in the park yeah. by the you know the frat boy conservatives, there's no evidence that 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 actually happened. There was a disagreement about a flag, okay, but there's no actual recorded evidence about any sexual assault. Mm. And that was a dramatic advice. A device. Other other things include you know the reading of the five thousand names at the end of the movie. I've that got that fact. That, yeah, I've got that. That didn't that. happen. Mm-hmm. They did. What did happen was they did use any and all opportunities that they could to make political statements and speeches and stuff. A la that that kind of yeah intent. But as far as reading five thousand names while getting sentenced that that did not happen i also the had point... it that it was david dillinger that did that and not tom hayden yeah. yeah 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 i did i did read that i did read that as well the point that i want to make is that i don't think any of it matters no i don't think any of it matters because i've read a lot of reviews or a lot of reviews as much reviews as i could read um less than 12 hours after finishing <laughs> watching the movie including sleeping time mm-hmm. and a lot of them have criticized the movie for the historical inaccuracies and have said I w- things like, I worry that this is how people think that it went. Mm. And that this isn't how it went. And it's important that people that people realize that. But I spent the whole movie thinking in the back of my head, if even 10% of the farce that is this trial is real then it's incredible yeah obviously obviously incredible in in a negative in a negative way because the judge had already made up his mind yeah of course the you know the the jury getting manipulated yeah like that you know the michael keaton's ex-attorney general character not being allowed to testify before the jury. Yeah. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was course. I was like screaming at the TV when they yeah, were like yeah, when yeah. they were like, oh, I don't think the jury needs to be here. I was like, what? I think I think they find they what do. Is, yeah, exactly. What, um no. Yeah, yeah. The- and there was this great line about I think Mark Rylance's character said like a judicial process that would be akin to something in Honduras, not the United States. Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, you're bang on. Yeah, you're ab- you're absolutely bang on. And I was really seeing the the police state that they were depicting in this movie, mm. and none of the historical inaccuracies that I read after the fact of the movie made me think that the movie deliberately embellished everything to make me feel those things i was like no yeah yeah no no that is that is still there i think the the point of the movie is incre- is probably incredibly accurate mm, mm. to what actually went on and the feelings culturally around all of that mm-hmm. and i don't actually think the minutiae of oh well this happened and this didn't happen and not quite like that i don't think that dilutes the message at all mm-hmm if we can go back a little bit, so we were obviously, we were kind of chatting about Abby Hoffman and we were chatting about the film score. Now, there's a track on the score that accompanies, I guess, that point in which you realise that this isn't just some small protest for them. This is the moment where 
a lot of the seven really kind of start bonding together in that kind of I guess their their house or whatever is that kind of office. It's a weird environment, isn't it? Where there's the it's kind yeah. of like an office, but they're also all just reading and smoking drugs and stuff. But the there's that point where they kind of they you recognise that actually there's an element of they've got differences, but they can you know kind of pull them together and actually all get after the same common cause here. And the track is called My Life, yeah. Uh, and that is where obviously it, it, it's it's said by Abby Hoffman saying this isn't this isn't a I don't know this isn't a joke to me. This is this is My Life, and uh, whilst that track's playing, and it's a beautiful beautiful piece of music, just a really just an honest an honest piece of music that that accompanies you know that that real moment of like fragility because a large part of what abby hoffman and uh, jeremy rubin put forward is a front and that's one of those very few moments where you kind of see see into their kind of see into what really is making them tick like when it really gets down to it this is what they feel is what they were built to do on earth they were built to fight the oppression and actually stand up to injustice and i think the track wonderfully mimics that and i think it mirrors the on-screen depiction of just frustration but belligerence to succumb to being told what to do and i think it's a really wonderful piece of i really think it's a really wonderful piece of music uh and i that was that was one that i really enjoyed i also just on hoffman there was some two comedy points in the in the film around him uh only two yeah he's played by sasha baron cohen but there was two comedy comedy oozing out of him but there was two that genuinely made me barely laugh now one of them I th- obviously it was meant to be a joke. The other, I don't think was meant to be a joke. So the first oh, okay. one, the first one was obviously the whole Hoffman sequence. Let the record show that we're not related. I wouldn't have you. So oh, what God, is it? And he goes, and yeah. Like and he that. goes, oh. dad, no. I, oh my God. I, that when he shouted dad, no, at the judge at the start, I genuinely like belly laughed at that sequence. Uh, yeah. I thought that was such funny writing. Yeah, it, that that was really funny. I mean, I don't. There, there's a part of me that thinks that that was Sasha. Yeah, 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 and yeah, not yeah. that, and not the writing because that that seemed to be that sort of joke that you would think that maybe Borat might make. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Type it's thing. Diffi- I, it's I wonder to... if that was an ad lib. I'd be very interested to um, find out if that was an ad lib. I mean, I, I mean, actually, on on Sasha, Sa- Sasha Baron Cohen admitted that he was terrified of having to do an American accent for the film. He had used a few different variations of the accent before for comedic reasons, but never for a dramatic role. He knew Abby Hoffman had a unique voice, having a Massachusetts accent, but also having gone to school in California, and was worried he would sound wrong. Aaron Sorkin had to reassure him that the role was not an impersonation, but an interpretation, which Baron Cohen claimed did not help him much. <laughs> and it didn't help me much, just ironically saying that. I, I, no, you, I've edited no. that a bit. Sorry, I, I knobbed up that line about 40 you times. That, knobbed that right up. But no, I think, have you watched any videos of Abby Hoffman actually speaking? No, no. Is it a weird accent, is it? Well, well, one, yes, it's an unusual accent. I wouldn't say it's too unusual. I think it's definitely got bits and bobs from here and there, mm. as you say. But... I think Sasha nailed it. No, oh, okay, frankly. cool. I think I really, I think he really channeled that. He he channeled the accent, and and it really felt it really felt like him. Mm. And a lot of time, and a lot of times, even though I'm not familiar with any of these, any of these real life historical figures, I I did see their characters and not 
the actors playing him because this is a star-studded cast. Oh, goodness, it is. This is a star-studded cast. And I, I just want to touch on before we get into oh, I was, I, I was real gonna, heavy hitters. I was gonna give I was gonna give you my my other joke that I didn't think was a real joke. Tell me oh, if yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, when they that. when they were doing the protest and they rounded the corner to see the Illinois um, police department, one of they they got a shock. And Sasha Baron Cohen said, "They're not here to conquer Spain, are they?" <laughs> Is that a Monty Python joke? Is that know. a Spanish Inquisition joke? Nobody expects a Spanish. We didn't expect them. I, is that what that was? Am I looking too much into it? Well, it couldn't have been. Monty Python is the seventies. Yeah, but a joke from Sasha to us, just looking at you oh, and me and going, "Alex, Callum, Spanish." Ah, uh, no, I can't imagine it would be. Is it? I, I think if I if I points. thought it was, it would. I think if I thought it was in that moment, because I didn't, I I would probably have not enjoyed it. Okay. To be honest. First thing I heard when I saw. Anyway, keep going, dude. Fair enough. No, no. Uh, you know, we should talk about the rest of the cast. And I just wanted to start off with a absolute genius uh-huh. piece of casting that is well, actually, hang on. Who do you think who do you think I'm gonna say? Mark Rylance. Nah. Okay. That's the obvious okay. act. Is it That's Frank, the obvious Frank answer. La, Frank La Frank La Lalella? Langella? Frank Lalella. Frank Frank Langella. Frank Langella. Langella, Lang- is it, it is. Frank Langella? I can't do it. Yeah, I think it's La- I think it's Langella. Okay, I think cool. That's, that's who you're talking about, though, isn't it? That's who. That's yeah. who I'm talking about. He was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he he was. He was so good, and not just as the character that he was playing, but as the personification of the state. Yes. Yes. Because. I've saw I saw footage of this actual judge and lots of other articles to do with this that said that Frank Langell was the perfect piece of casting for that character because he got all the idiosyncrasies and all of that and this actual judge actually talked like Frank Langella's stereotype, which was those really hard hit hard put downs mm. and all all of that stuff that we see him do in the movie. But the, the the overarching thing for me, and I really am going to double down on this, even though it might just be my interpretation. Mm. But one of Frank Langella's most famous roles... I've just got it here, mate. I know exactly what you're going to say. Go for it. ...is Richard Nixon. <clears throat> Absolutely. Bang is on, Richard mate. Nixon, yeah. and he's played him more than once. Yeah. In fact, as far as all depictions of Richard Nixon might of that there has ever been in media, TV and film. I think if you were to think of any actor that has played him, Frank Langella is the is the go-to. Mm. And I think for a movie that doesn't have Richard Nixon in it, mm-hmm. but is the president, the new president at that time, and have the most famous actor to ever play Richard Nixon as the judge mm. in this federal case... I don't think that's a coincidence. No, you're right. You're I, right. I think that's deliberate. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I thought the role he delivered was amazing. As you said, he was fierce, but he almost he almost embodied a system, a political idea, rather than just his own personal agenda. Like, it wasn't even as if he just 
was a racist person or was against the protests and stuff he, he was channeling i mean it was like it was like the emperor it was like a real version of the emperor almost yeah. from from you know from star wars but that's it was the, that but that's the point a lot of what he was saying in the de- and the decisions as ludicrous as and as farcical as we were watching as everything we were watching was you didn't feel like it was personal you just kind of thought like well this is an old guy that's you know lived and breathed Mm. by this system and he is being as impartial he thinks he's being impartial yeah think he thinks he's abiding by the perfect democracy that the united states judicial system is Mm. yeah yeah, you're, uh, he, you're so right. he he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. His intent is is not, you know. And I I think there are several moments in this where you are supposed to think that he is being delib- deliberately biased and man- manipulative mm-hmm. and things like that. But oftentimes I just don't. I'm not sure that's the case. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I've seen lots of reports afterwards that with the new post Nixon administration when they revisited this case like like seven or eight years later. They they called this guy inadequate, inadequate, yeah, and un, un, unqualified. Oh, is it unqualified? Was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, something something like that. And and you're like, yeah, okay, fair enough. The the other the other, and I guess like as a little bit of a segue in one of the one of the real points that he hammers home the injustice of that system was the dialogue between him, William Kusner, and Bobby Seale around you've got a lawyer, I've got a lawyer, no, you don't have a lawyer, William Kushner, yeah. represent him. Just because I'm near him doesn't mean I represent him. And that, like, they, they, they went round the boy so many times with that one. And I, I know, so many times. They, like, like four or five times, they, they went through that thing, and it got almost claustrophobic hearing it. Yeah. That you know, you're just hearing these people hammering these points home, and somebody just not hearing. Yeah, it's not. It's not even not not listening to them or responding in any way. It's just not hearing them. It's not even just like belligerent ignorance. It's just I don't understand why you don't understand this, and the yeah. fact that neither of us will never understand this is mean that we cannot move forward. Like there's some things like that's a, that's two opposite ends of a magnet. They're just never going to touch. Yeah. Um. I thought that was a really interesting point. And again, like as a further segue, can I just talk a little bit about Mark Rylance? Because of course you can. You can always talk about Mark because Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance is one of my he's one of the best actors, I think, right now in Hollywood yeah. and he's in film. magical to watch. He everything around how he is on screen, I I'm just so captivated to his performance. He he brings such a calming presence and some such sense i mean he is he's he's kind of almost ian mckellen-esque yeah in the way that he delivers his lines he he has the sparkle in his eye that your tom hanks has as well and he kind of has the the tone and the voice of like patrick stewart like he kind of just has all these like really just he he's kind of he's kind of like one of these I don't I don't know who it was who was joking around it was one of our podcasts that jokes around uh, um, Bill Nye how he's he's an old thespian and actually he's not he's not an old thespian actor I can't remember which one yeah. it was but but do you, do you mean Bill Nye Bill Nye sorry yeah but not the no, science not, guy not, not Bill Nye guy. not not the science guy but Mark Rylance <laughs> is almost like the opposite of that statement it's like this guy has done so much stuff in his life. 
and he's done so much stage performance and and, and he's also just a really a really well-regarded actor but it's yeah. only recently in his kind of you know his older age where he's really getting these roles you know dunkirk ready player one these like multi you know multi-million pound movies yeah and seeing him in this role was just it was it was like we talked about last week with the casting of Tom Hanks for News of the World. Like you 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 don't see you don't see the um, Jefferson. You see Tom Hanks. Yeah. And I didn't. I was just watching Mark Rylance really for this role, but I liked it. Like I I was like comforted by him when he was on well, screen. I think I think if we're comparing like for like, we haven't had n- nearly enough Mark Rylance to be tired of that. Mm. type of that typecasting yet so mark rylance could have been better in news of the world that's my new definitive <laughs> that's, your, that's your new definitive until a point where we've seen too much of mark rylance and then it'll be no we've had we, we've we, we've had that now and that's obvious casting but do you know the but the, the thing with mark rylance what he does and i've and i i don't i don't want to keep talking about him but we, we've i've we've had so many different like look, i'm going to talk about f- Four of these four movies right now that are just totally different movies that he's in. So the first one, obviously, being Dunkirk, like that is he is quite literally a steady hand on the tiller for that movie. Like you are watching him. Do you know? Do you know what I'm? Do you know? But I'm saying then you've kind of got him in the BFG role, where he is an old, you know, it's an animated character. He's animated, and I guess the other one alongside the BFG, he he still he still brings a lot of charm to that. He does. I, I didn't particularly like it that much, but I but he he definitely is a bright light in that production exactly and the then you know and alongside that kind of that one we have the ready player one you know his his character in ready player one i forget the the name who created the oasis that's completely slipped my mind but he he was wonderful in that role just just so magical especially the end of that like i I didn't wait the movie was all right but it's so magical but have and then the other ones being um, trial of trial of Chicago Seven. I thought he was a you know a brilliant Mark Rounds. But have you seen Bridge of Spies? Yeah, love Bridge of Spies. He is. It's almost like someone's taken Mark Rylance's brain out and put in the brain of someone who might be an undercover spy for the Soviet Union. Yeah, and he's got a Scottish accent as he does it. Yeah, yeah, the brilliant. whole thing was He's wonderful in that. Oh movie. my god, I remember just being like, and we didn't get a huge think, amount I think of he him. Got, I think he got nominated for supporting actor. Yeah, that, he did for he that did. role. He did, yeah, yeah, and rightly so. Oh my god, I just that that. Did you watch that recently? Uh, no, a while ago. But I I remember that's that's one of those examples you know people talk about where it's like there was a character you know it's that's the kind of how how much screen time did Heath Ledger actually get in the Dark Knight? And you know it's when you really talk it down, it's actually not that much. And the reason yeah. why he stays in your memories because you want to see more of him. I think I remember reading a similar sort of factor in Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. He actually is not on screen. I think he's on screen for about like ten minutes maximum in that film, yeah. and he and he only says a few words. But the delivery is like God. This is really just he he nails it. I, I think he is one of the best actors right now in Hollywood. Um, I, I genuinely, genuinely think so. Yeah, I would second that. Um, do you want to talk about a couple more tracks before we wrap up? Oh, definitely. I mean, I just I, you know I'd like to talk about the soundtrack as a whole. Okay, go for it, mate. Ge- generally, because I really enjoy. I really, really enjoyed listening to it, mm. and I'll be honest. Obviously, the first time we listen to this music is in the movie. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, we yeah. watch it, and I'll be honest, I got about halfway through the movie, and I kind of caught myself thinking, I "Don't hear a huge amount of music in this." Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. And then, 
And then I listened to the soundtrack and I realized I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of score. <laughs> and then I was I realized I was I was wrong, but it's because and you can see it quite clearly in the track listing mm-hmm. for for the soundtrack in that you have these big tentpole tracks mm. that are over fi- that are over 5 minutes long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got we're going to Chicago and then mm-hmm. immediately uh, the the trial, the trial. Oh, God, which is the trial. which is a great great track. Then take the hill. Yep, take the hill uh, and blood on the streets. Take really. the hill and then blood blood on the streets. And those are the big kind of like tentpole bits. And mm. I think those are the most important tracks because to be to be a little bit flippant, most of the tracks in between all of that largely dramatic filler. Yeah, of course. For me. Of course. For, yeah, like for, you, you for, don't for don't me. stand an example of that. Like it's not you wouldn't yeah, it's a dramatic like, filler. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, it's got it's got it's got function. But where I think because this soundtrack has been shortlisted for nominee for nomination for the Academy Award. Yeah, yeah, it has. For best original score. Which, by the way, how farcical is that? Surely you're nominated or not. How can you be shortlisted for nomination? Because they gotta pay, mate. You gotta pay you got to pay for your nomination. But just, all, a, just as a concept, it's, it's, just as a concept, though, how ridic- do you get... Ugh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. You've, but it's, it's all about money. You've got to pay to get yourself yeah. in there. You've got to do an amount of lobbying. You've got to know people. It's, 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 but I just wonder, who. Yeah, somebody's typed this up and put it on the website. Like, an actual human being has done that. And an gone, actual These human are, being. An actual human being is typing this up going, here's the shortlisted movies for nomination for winning this category. And gone, what are we doing? Do you know what? But there, is there is a list before this list. You know that, before the shortlist. Oh, really? Yeah, it's every movie that was that released in 2020. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Now, the reason I think it's shortlisted is because of its musical depiction of anarchy. Yes. And it's in these big tentpole tracks that this exists. Mm-hmm. And there's a progression throughout each of these tracks that depicts the cultural sound of anarchy from every generation from the 60s right up until right up until now in the 21st century yeah yeah which i think really lends that idea that aaron sorkin was saying about it being incredibly relevant to today's society like and today's civil unrest Mm -hmm. and all those other fun topics and because i was hearing the sounds of you know, Jimi Hendrix. I was hearing these like wailing guitars and bongo drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like that. And then in the same track, the guitar got heavier, bassier, and more distorted. And I was hearing and and then suddenly I was hearing Rage Against the Machine. Mm. mm. Yeah. And then I and then and then I was and then I was hearing you know, 90s punk rock, sex sex pistols type stuff. And then I was hearing over distorted bass a la Royal Blood. You know that amazing uh, British duo that is basically just a drum kit and a bass guitar with a loop pedal and it's incredible stuff. And I was hearing that kind of thing and I was thinking, this is the sound of Mm anti-establishment, but from every... From from like from the last fifty years, yeah, all in these one tracks, and where they appear in the movie is always when people are 
start from a point of protest mm-hmm. and then slowly, slowly, slowly build into full-on revolt until that's when the clubs just start flying and the police just start bashing heads yeah. in. Yeah. And which is when you get the full bassy yeah, yeah. stuff. And the way that all of these tracks build up is just really really beautiful the mm-hmm. way they're the way they're structured because they are slow burners the fact that they're all you know six seven minutes long really really speaks to that mm. and they don't feel that long you just you know feel them chugging along mm. and then they just get more and more intense as they go and you kind of really feel that struggle of the protesters and these people trying to hear their voice and like that feeling that is throughout the whole movie of I'm only on trial here because of my thoughts. Yeah. Because of my ideas, not because I've actually done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think that's actually a, a, a really, really valid observation. Um, and I, I to be honest, I, I kind of picked up on that, but hearing you say it is really solidifying. I'm definitely going to have to go back through and listen to a lot of that stuff. But that's no, do that's and, wonderful and, actually. And I think, and I think that's, you know, I've, I've said that's why it's shortlisted. But I think it's also the reason why I didn't think it was there in the first place. Because mm. I think I assumed they just took pre-existing tracks. Mm, mm, mm. But they're not. They're, they're, they're original compositions that are specifically crafted based on these cultural movements, these cultural sounds. Some, you know, Daniel Pemberton has sat down and gone, I want to make this bit Rage Against the Machine and I want to make this bit Sex Pistols and all of that and has made something original that invokes those feelings and those sounds. Mm. And I think that's incredible and deserves a big, big old round of applause, (laughs) frankly. Well, before we find out what it really deserves, the last track oh. that I just wanted to ask you about was the last track, Stand Up, Stand Up or Chicago 7, because that's the kind of the track that rounds out quite a lot of it. It rounds out the yeah. story. You know, that's what starts when they walk in with the white jumpsuits on. You know, it's been well over 100 and what was 151 days was the last tally. And yep. that Stand Up is the piece of music that's played when they're reading the names of all the people that died in the Vietnam War. And yeah. it's it's a very patriotic, uh, very track. patriotic, yeah, yeah, it's a very patriotic track. Soaring strings, mm. and again, very, very, very powerful because a lot of the themes of this is the fact that they aren't anti, they aren't anti-establishment more than they're anti the people that are in the establishment at that minute. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yes, because you know, they they're don't. Not an, yeah. They're they're not anti-patriots. They they don't hate the United States of America. They hate the people that are currently running the United States of America, and those are very, two very very different things. Mm. And a lot of people would say that that's arguably more patriotic. Mm-hmm than the other side yeah definitely definitely and that's still a conversation that is happening mm-hmm. you know back when donald trump was president god i love being able to say that yeah i know right people say you know if you're if you're a po- if you're if you speak up against the president you're not a patriot and we're like well really yeah yeah that doesn't make any sense yeah or the or the nixon of if the president does something wrong it's not illegal you know if yeah the president exactly does something, it's not illegal yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah that's 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 what the Hundred percent, and I love the way that this track stand up, molded, segued beautifully into the 
original song mm. for this for this movie, Hear which was voice. "Hear My Voice," yeah. uh, which was written by Pemberton and the British singer Celeste. Yes. I think it's Celeste. Celeste, yeah, that's right. Celeste, yeah, yeah. and. What was really what's really beautiful about it because we've heard "Hear My Voice" beforehand. We hear it at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and "Take the Hill." So there's a version of "Take the Hill" as well. There is, yeah, there, there absolutely is. But the reason I think "Hear My Voice" is particularly poignant is because there is actually a motif here. Mm. There's actually a motif here where where I'm not going to do it injustice by attempting to sing it. <laughs> but the first time she sings "Hear My Voice," which incidentally is the first words of the whole song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As a, as a political statement, you're like, hear my voice. And there's so many of those, like, you know, little three-word slogans that are so politically powerful. The most recent ones in our current society is, you know, I can't breathe. Stop the and steal. Stop. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, but you know. Yeah, I mean, but no, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have chuckled about but, that. But, 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 you know, yeah. but because just because it's the other side. But, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I can't breathe is the, is the yeah. I can't breathe being a big one. And for this movie, it's hear my voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the melody that she sings, when you hear this at the end of the movie, you realize has been been playing the entire movie. Mm. So the music throughout the whole score has been saying hear my voice the entire time. Mm, mm. And we've not heard and we've not realized it until right at the end yeah and it ties it all together yeah and i think that's brilliant yeah yeah completely agree mate i completely agree because hear my voice they've been speaking the entire time and they've not been listening yeah and i just think that's incredibly poignant and important how many thumbs up are you gonna give it mate two yeah Uh, yeah this is this is one where the as we've talked about it the more i'm realizing how clever this score actually is. Yeah. And let's be honest, this was one of the best, I think this is one of the best, definitely one of the best movies I've seen in 2021. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> if definitely. No, it's great because I, I kind of, I would say this I'm actually really... is the best movie I've seen this year. I would Pause, say this I would, I would, I would, I would have to, I would have to sit for a while and really think about that because I've, See, I've seen a few movies, seen a few movies this year okay. already, but I'd have to really sit and think about that, but it's definitely up there. But I kind of, I just, I really want to punch myself because I'll do it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you reach through the laptop and punch me. No, it's because I, I as I, as I admitted earlier, I, I got about halfway through this movie and thought, oh, there's not much music in here. Oh, yeah. I can't, can't, can't really hear the music. And then when I get to the end, I realize, and then go into the soundtrack and actually do a little bit of bloody research, I realize exactly how wrong i was and how criminal it was that i thought that in the first place and because then because then i was like you know i was like well i don't really know why why this is you know short why this is shortlisted you know it kind of does the job i suppose you know yeah yeah you know the usual grumblings me just going oh you know just just want some john williams yeah 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 and now i feel and now i feel like shit and now i feel like shit because I think it does deserve to be on there. I would go so far as to say it will end up on the, the actual nomination yeah, list. Yeah, 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 definitely, mate. I, I think I would. Uh, yeah, I think I would stake stake my reputation on that. When will we find out? When will we find out if it is? I don't know. When is the when? When are the Oscars? When, when everyone's paid. <laughs> when everyone's paid. Yeah. <laughs> when, when everyone's paid for their nomination. Yeah. 
moving forward? Yeah, let's move. You, what's going on, man? They're getting weirder each week. You're turning, oh. you're turning into the monkey from Madagascar or the lemur from Madagascar. I but am. Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah, you like to move it. Loving it. Yeah, absolutely. I do like to move it forward, we've got I a, do. We've got a few, well, we've got a few different things to cover. Should, uh, we, should we go over the ob- obligatory WandaVision recap? You want to do that one quickly first? Yeah. Yeah, go for it, mate. Oh, I love it. You do? Oh, I love it so much. Amazing. I love it so much. And can I just say... Spoilers as well. Called it. Spoilers as well. S- spoilers. Bloody, bloody called it. I said in last week's episode, Office slash Modern Family. Yeah. Right. Not only was the interview style in full swing, yeah, a la those shows, but the theme song was, was the, office. the Office. It was The Office, And yeah. the logo was Modern Family. Modern Family logo. And I office, was just yeah. like, oh my God, I hit it on the head. Yeah. Everyone bow down. Yeah. Well, I am just that good. But there was, you know, there was trailers and stuff that showed that sort of thing. So, you know. Wait, what? Yeah. No, no. I'm I've, oh, I've, yeah. Not been, I've not been watching no, no, you the, the, the trailers no, for the did. new. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. You did. Uh, but what, were the trailers out last week when we recorded that episode? I don't think they were. No, but the, she breaks the fourth wall in the in the WandaVision trailer. Dude, I'm winding you up. Check your Are pants. You? I'm pulling your piss out. You've oh. won the award. Congratulations for foresight oh. of the day. You Thank win it. You. What are you Thank gonna you. Thank you. No, but you've 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 had you've had these uh, you've had these premonitions before as well. And you get you you get this excited when you're like, yeah. oh yeah, bloody yeah. call. I it. win foreskin of the day often. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Way to bring it down into the gutter. I mate. did like it actually, just to do the music. I did like how the music was modern family esque music. The kind of like the drums, like the kind of. I don't know, like the 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 kind of like the djembe, the fast drum beats as she's like in bed and she's like, no, go away. And it's the kind of like do 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 yeah, do yeah, do yeah. as as yeah. and the kids are there and she's looking at the camera and saying her thing. Like I, I think the whole breaking the fourth wall was more modern family than the office. I think the yeah. only I think it was mainly modern family this this I, series. Yeah. I was yeah, and I I was laughing out loud whenever Vision was doing the fourth wall breaking thing. Yeah. Because he was obviously off off on his own adventure and, and kind of only half in the facade at this point yeah yeah to the, to the point where he got to the third one and at the end he was like what the, what am i doing here what am i doing sat here talking to you i'm 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 busy trying to actually do this stuff breaking the fifth it, wall Ooh, breaking eh? the fifth wall it was brilliant and we got a lovely little cliffhanger reveal at the end mm, where we do find agatha harkness yes which is and this is the point where you tell me exactly who that is in the marvel comics because i guarantee uh, she exists she's guaranteed she's guaranteed some sort i, I so, don't really know so two characters read the wikipedia gar- yeah two guaranteed two guaranteed characters to exist prior to my knowledge and that's whoever this bloody witch is uh agatha what's her face you know and her harkness was it yeah harkness and I could tell when she said her surname. I was like, "Oh God!" Some uh, all around the world, some Marvel fans are going batshit. Yeah, like, to, to, and I haven't got, an, I haven't got a bloody yeah. clue who she is. Like, she said Agatha Harkness, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my God!" That was just a big mic drop, and it totally went over my head. Well, so yes, yes, it was. Um, 
it was it was very a la like can or you wouldn't go around calling me the master now would you you know it was though it was that oh, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. it was a nod and a wink it, it was, was that. a nod and a wink and I, and I think many ways it's deliberate but i think this is going to be something that we're going to be seeing a lot more of because i think up till now our layman's knowledge having not grown <laughs> yeah, up with yeah, comic yeah. books have been we you know we've been we've been culturally aware enough to know who most of these characters are and to be appropriately excited about that. But we've now reached a stage in the MCU where the C-list characters are starting to come up <laughs> and yeah. only the, and only the most diehard fans are going to know about it. Cause I was talking to my sister about this the other day and she's really enjoying WandaVision as well. But you know, one of the big reveals was obviously Quicksilver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Think how many people there are that in the world have, they wouldn't have got who that. wouldn't yeah. have got yeah. that he's in the X-Men. Yeah. Who, 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 that, and that, by the way, it's the same character and it's not just two different superheroes and two different franchises that both go really, 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 really fast. Yeah. 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 Because I had to explain that to her and she goes, yeah, because they set it up in the movie like this was it was this big shocking reveal, and I was like, well, yeah, because it's quick, it's Quicksilver, her brother, but it's played by the guy that plays the different version of that character in another franchise. And then I caught myself saying that, going, "That's bloody mental." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's bloody mental. Why would it, why would anyone assume? Well, they, that but, you they just assume, get but they assume, but they, but they, they, they only, they're only going to be able to get away with stuff like that because they own it all now. Like all of that stuff yeah. is now on Disney Plus. Like they own it all. So yeah. really, like I think it's gone beyond the days where it's the loyalty to Marvel, it's your loyalty to Disney that, that kind of know, like pulls yeah. it through. But no, the, no, it's true. Uh, I got some interesting facts, interesting observations for you, oh, mate. Good. So um, where, do I, where, do I, where do I start? Uh, I, I guess we were introduced to the aerospace engineer, um, which was the ma- uh, Major Goodner, so the aerospace engineer, who the one who was sort of setting up that tank for, for um, Monica oh, Ram yeah. to drive into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Wait, who, by the way, is the other character I was talking about of well, I'm definitely supposed to know who she is because she, when she went through the barrier, she got superpowers. We all saw it. Yeah. And and again, I could see the Marvel fan jumping out, jumping out of the recliner, going, "Oh my god, she's turned into insert superhero Pulse. name here." Thank you. Well, it was and, Pulse or Spectrum. There's two characters that she could right. be, and I'll okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell uh, you a bit about that. Just by the names, just by the names of those heroes, it could be either or neither of those. And <laughs> I would be none the wiser. And again, I'm just like, okay, so we've got another superhero somewhere. Somebody's going mental because yeah. they know who they are, and I haven't a bloody clue. Great. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you one more prediction then, mate. I think, um, I think Major Goodnear. So, so you know the ones that provide Monica Ramble with that kind of tank. I think they're all Skrulls. I think oh. I think they will all be scrolls. Um, so potentially, but, but in this, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the scrolls that are on Earth are actually good guys. That was a big twist yes. in Captain Marvel. Yeah, so they help help Monica Rambo, and they're kind of like on right. her side. So I think they're going to be scrolls. Uh, so obviously, Ooh. yeah, say Monica Rambo, she's now Pulse um, or Spectrum. But whatever. But basically, there was a really interesting callback where Monica Rambo in the previous episode had that really deep deep blue eye eyeliner and kind of like the eye shadow and it was all oh, yeah. blue um obviously kind of like foreshadowing her having the blue eyes uh, but actually did you notice when she opened the trap oh there was a mid-credit sequence as well i don't know if you saw that i did yeah, yeah when she opened the the trap door to the basement her eyes sort of started to turn purple a little bit 
Um, oh, purple as yeah, in, uh, and as not in blue. Not blue. I didn't catch that. Yeah. So, and then the other one was the book. Did you see the book when she went down? Uh, when Wanda well, went down into the basement? I definitely, I definitely saw the book because you know, I mean, you can't, you can't not spot a MacGuffin when it's there <laughs> and, and just staring you in the face. So that's likely to be called the Dark Cold. Um, so that's a book that contains a number of spells and powers, uh, originally owned by Doctor Strange, but it's believed that it was stolen during the end game during scenes well, now of end game. The, well now the dark hold has actually i do i have actually heard that name before because the dark hold has existed in the mcu before yeah in marvel's agents of shield ah okay go for it have you not watched marvel no agents i've not actually i've not i i've watched a couple of stuff i've watched the whole yeah i've not watched a huge amount uh, of it i mean it's a lot of people like it yeah i liked it i liked a lot of it i've not seen the last like season and a half yeah 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 I stopped. I stopped halfway through one of the one of the seasons because I think it was just getting too ridiculous Fine. and I couldn't track. I couldn't track it. But the dark hold was definitely was definitely definitely in there, and it caused some troubles. Well, I think it's going to continue to cause troubles moving forward. Can I just ask a question for this? Go on. Is this show rewatchable? Yes. Is it? Yes. Will definitely. you rewatch this whole series? Will you skip the first two episodes? Whether no. Whether or not I will watch it again, I don't know about that. But I do think it. Ha- I do think it has rewatchability because I think the the slow trickle of the mystery and hiding the mystery in in the episodes makes you want to go back and go, oh, mm. she was pulling the strings the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and actually see her doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Well, speaking of Doctor Strange, we had some interesting announcements that, of course, Danny Elfman is going to be scoring Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange 2. Wonderful. Now, it all kind of makes sense, doesn't it, really, when you yeah. think about it? Because he was Danny Elfman, was he not attached to the Spider-Mans? Was he, was yeah, he Sam Raimi's Spider-Mans, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's... Spider-Men. The Spider-Mens, yeah. Uh, Danny Elfman's often attached to Spider-Men. Uh, yes, but yeah, I've often heard, heard that said. But but you know, I think I think it just makes sense. Danny Elfman has obviously done a, a little bit of the DC. He he hasn't done any MCU has stuff, has he? No, not yet. He didn't do. He didn't work on Age of Ultron for a bit, did he? I got the impression he did a oh. bit of work on Age of Ultron. Maybe or did I'm, he actually do Age of Ultron? Maybe I am wrong. I'm going to be looking that one up right now. But but tell me why that's interesting. That's that 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 obviously having Danny Elfman back with Sam Raimi. Well, first of all, Sam Raimi and Danny Elfman have a partnership beyond Spider-Man. They have collaborated on other things together. Yeah, so he was. It was not... him and Brian Tyler, by the way, who did yeah. Ultron. Thanks. Now, so it's not too much of a stretch to just think, oh, okay, they have a creative partnership, and that's the one and only reason that that they're working together on this movie and why Danny Elfman's in this movie. However... We're all Marvel nerds here, yes. and we like to speculate beyond all sorts of logic and reason like that. So let's speculate. There is a chance, there's every chance, that because this is a multiverse movie, which isn't, which isn't a hot take, it's literally in the title, <laughs> uh, we could hear some of Danny Elfman's Spider-Man theme. That's what I'm thinking. From the Sam Raimi movies. That's, That's what, what we're all supposed to think. Yeah. It might not happen. No. I, it, it might genuinely just be like 
no, why did you think that was going to happen? We just we've just worked together a lot. That's the only reason why I'm here. Like, I shut s- up. <laughs> I sent you a really interesting article on on um I don't I don't know if I sent it to you or I don't know where I sent it to you on, and it was around how there's now an element of like expectation to a lot of the MCU moving forward, especially like around the whole Spider-Man thing that like yeah. almost if, if like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and stuff aren't all in this movie and there isn't one sequence, there's almost an element of like, people are not going to enjoy it now because they're, they're, yeah. that, that's what they expect. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to track back through all of this because I think this might be an example of the Marvel hype train running amok and that maybe, you know, actually, to be honest, Disney might not have even been at fault here, but I, I firmly believe that the marketing department at Marvel is probably like the best we've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. From any like franchise, yeah, studio, whatever. And so it, it's very, very hard for me to believe that a lot of these rumors haven't, you know, been deliberately generated to keep that hype train because I think that's where all the bums in the seat come from is mm. that hype train from the marketing and stuff like that and the cynic in me has to assume that if you followed it upstream mm-hmm. it would arrive at the doorstep of those disney marketing people who have deliberately been like let's just put that rumor in the ether yeah 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 exactly let's see it snowball a little bit let's just you know get everyone pumped up and stuff like that and i genuinely feel there's a danger of all this spider-man stuff of it's gotten so out of control that they can't they're they're just gonna be like, we, we can't possibly deliver on this yeah but that's it you've, and, you've that's, hit a, the and that's a real danger that's a real danger mm. well there there is there lies that now we've got a few other things non-marvel news i know uh, if we stick on superheroes we loads of, if, we, if we stick on that oh you want to do that one because i was I had loads of other news around you know like the new face-off sequel that's being announced, oh, or God. the Borderlands casting, no, no, no. Let's, let's the, the Marvel, sort of... the Marvel Two, uh, sorry, Captain Marvel Two's casting villain, which I thought was really, really interesting. Oh, who's that? Uh, it is Fresh Meats Zoe Ashton. I can't pronounce her name. Oh, great! She's so good. She's awesome. Yeah, I love her. Oh, I want to watch Fresh Meat. Very, again. very pretty as well. Wonderfully <laughs> <laughs> pretty. Right, go on, mate. What was your moving? I couldn't possibly use? disagree with you. Uh, no, I was going to say news, Snyder Cut news. Or not just Snyder Cut news, Snyder Cut trailer. I thought you were going to make that rhyme. No. You said it like it was going to rhyme. To oh, be fair, okay. a lot of the well, things you say... I like say... verse. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like verse. Yeah. I like rhythm. Mm. I'm a muso, mate. <laughs> okay, keep going. Yeah, no. Get a rhyme Snyder, in there, though. Get a rhyme Snyder in. Cut trailer. It's an interesting one. There's a lot of shots in this trailer... In the previous trailer, uh, a lot of it was new shots. Yeah. That we've not seen before. In this trailer, I very much felt that it was all shots from scenes that we've seen in the Justice League, the Joss Whedon Justice League. Yeah, yeah. But in Zack Snyder filter and color grain. Of course, yeah, exactly. Except from a few little fan-pleasing nuggets mm. number one black suit superman <laughs> yeah we got a black suit superman black suit superman fantastic he's angsty he, he's wearing black for for some reason mm-hmm. and well that i mean that's but that was the death of the death of superman's storyline was he came back with yeah, a, no, with a mullet never, and a black yeah, suit <laughs> he comes back with a mullet and a black suit and and like i get 
I get the symbolism in a comic book, but I always feel like when you put things on screen, you've got to kind of justify certain things. Justify? Oh, God. Good night, everyone. Have a good Apologize for that right now. I'll see you later. Right, very good. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, you know, if. I'll I'll come back. No, no, no. If if, if you just. If you just sit and think about it for half a second, you go, right, he goes in, he goes into the ground wearing, you know, whatever, whatever he's wearing, and he comes back from the dead, and because he's come back from the dead and he's a little bit angsty, his hair has grown and he's now wearing black. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. I get that it's an iconic look, and I get, but they've got it, but if they're going to do it, which they are, obviously they are doing it, I think they've got to do it a little bit better than that like he cannot come out of the ground wearing black he just can't he went in wearing different colors and the last time i checked yeah it's a mystery of, that whole li- thing that this whole thing is the most unrealistic part of it's, this movie it's, it's it's ridiculous alex and, missed the goth phase at high school everyone you know that phase that you all went through alex didn't go through that phase no i didn't i didn't i skipped i skipped it and went straight into middle age no but at 16 <laughs> At sixteen, yeah, yeah, they just need to do a better job of putting him in a in a black suit because the last time I the last time I checked, are they, are they doing a terrible on, job of getting him in the suit? <laughs> on the on the on the list of Superman's powers, random clothes cloth changes while dead is not it, is not one of You've them. You've lost it. That's his. He's known for that. Oh, I see. He's I've just forgotten. For it, yeah. I've, well, I've how just forgotten. quickly does he go into the? How quickly in the original Superman does he go into the revolving door and get out of his Superman costume and into his suit for the Daily Planet work? Oh, you're totally he's, not wrong. He's he's known I'm not, for it. And I'm not even taking into account how long he was in that coffin. If he's able to change his clothes that quick that quickly in a glass telephone booth, oh, the then telephone I'm not giving him enough credit to how much he could change his appearance while underground in a coffin for months. You wasted it. What was that all about? I'm not qualified to be on this podcast. What do you think about Jared Leto, mate? Finish it off. Give us this story. Well, that's the other one. Jared Leto's back (laughs) and he's the the Joker. Uh, That's kind of as much as I care about it, to be honest. I don't hate that he's there. I I think I I still think... He looks bulkier, doesn't he? Looks a bit bulk. Maybe it's just the hair. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he had yeah. really long hair, and it was in you know Zack Snyder dream sequence. Has he been? Has he been? Of... Has he been doing push-ups and stuff in the dream sequence? What's he been doing? Lifting boulders. I don't know. Maybe little rocks. A lot. A lot of people don't like Jared Leto's Joker mainly because the movie he was in was fucking atrocious. But hang on. Hang on. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. I still listen to the music of that when I go to the gym because it's, it's great and I love it. It's good. It's good. Still on my playlist. Yeah, a couple of songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's terrible. No, it's all right. But, ah, it's good. But I think on. I still think on the cutting room floor of that movie was a really interesting Joker portrayal. Yeah. And so there. I and so therefore I think there is potential to see that again. And Jared, Jared and I'm all up for that. Jared Leto was really keen like he filmed or let he filmed some more stuff apparently they've they, they the whole piece of the dead rats being delivered to margot robbie and stuff that was all just nonsense like it was it was absolutely it was absolute bullshit and actually they 
they said that. Well, I've never even heard of, of that. Did you not so... hear about that? So the rumor no, was the rumor that. was on the set of the Suicide Squad, Jared Leto was delivering dead rats and like used condoms and stuff to like Will Smith and Margaret. Oh Robbie come and stuff. on! Yeah, but but everyone believed it. Everyone oh, re- no, but everyone, really, yeah. Take, t- cast your mind back to when that movie was. What was it? 2016, 2017. Cast your mind back. Right, that was the hype. They were like, this guy's so method. He's so into it. And there was an element of try hard that just people didn't appreciate from Jared Leto's Joker. Like he was trying too hard to be no. this over gangster mate this was I'm, like how did you not hear this this was like no, what was known. i genuinely i genuinely do not hear this but i can imagine a world i can articles. i can't imagine a world where somebody has reported on that or been rumored and that has not immediately resulted in law investigation <laughs> If you Google Jared Leto dead rat, there is so much stuff. Anyway, he's basically, the point is, is only recently he started to deny this stuff. So maybe you and Jared Leto were the only ones that didn't know this was going on. Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, Jared Leto had a dead pig sent to cast members because he's the Joker. This was news articles from the the Independent. Look at the, from 2016. Look at his little mug. He looks well happy with himself. That's that's someone who's delivered I'm kind of done with this. this. (laughs) You're done with this bit? the story yeah have you have you got have you got other things to bring yeah the mortal Kombat trailer came out ah uh, okay and i'm fine with it i've never got into mortal Kombat, but <laughs> i'll bloody care. watch this movie I couldn't care less. Could you not? See, this nah. is one of these weird things, right? <laughs> this is like the Transformers or the Fast and Furious franchise where I'm like, I couldn't care less. But actually, yeah. with this, I'm like, let's do this. Because I've seen, uh, I see, saw the, the movie, difference... the original movie, and it was crap. Like, the, it was See, bullshit. but the difference between that is that you're wrong. No, but it's good, you're, though. You're, you're wrong about specifically Fast and Furious. <laughs> Transformers is, is just, no, no. Because it's Michael Bay. Or like the no. whole King but Kong versus Godzilla or... Or, you know, all these sort of all this sort of stuff. I'm like, uh, what, what was the Pacific Rim? And then there was another one that came out after that. And like they were they were f- fine out of the rim. And I was just like, Ugh, great. You got to look at them like they are, which is basically just roller coaster rides. roller coaster rides. But that's what this is, baby. This is going to be it. I'm looking forward right. to. It. Okay, we've got fine. all the car- we've got your we've got Raiden. We've got Sub Zero. Did you ever play the games? No. I I always thought I, the games I, were I like Tekken. I, Tekken, yeah. I, I Tekken. Give me a Tekken game. Tekken was give good. Me, give me a Mexican wrestler with a head of a Jaguar. Oh, yeah. That's yes. what I want. Now, was the name of I think of his that? name's King. King, yeah. I was going to say, was it yeah. King? Now, the te- what if we get a Tekken versus Mortal Kombat, a verse? Who oh, owns both I mean, of these things? I don't Surely know. Sega owns one of them. Yeah. Sony the other? Probably. We'll say that. We'll say that. Don't okay. say that we don't give you untrue facts on this show. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this one, mate. It's, it's because I love a red band trailer. Is it nothing gets you excited more than a red yeah. band trailer? Yeah, I know. It comes up and you go, ooh. There is a, I kind of want to. I kind of want to turn the lights off and get some popcorn. There's a bit where Sub Zero's kicking some blokes. A bit of blood gets splattered out. He freezes the blood, turns it to a knife, and stabs him with his own blood. I mean, there you go, mate. That Brilliant. is. That's what you're paying for. That's what. Top notch family is. entertainment. <laughs> it's probably gonna be shite. Probably. I kind of want to see it now. Though. Yeah, I want to see it too. <laughs> what do they have to do next, mate? Got to go on to the Apple Podcast app. Find us on there. Give us a five star rating. Write us a little review. Can't be bothered writing us a little review. You could tell us your favorite movie. Tell us your favorite movie soundtrack. Any and all are welcome. You can also find us on Spotify and lots and lots of other platforms where you can find podcasts. 
If you want to get in touch more directly with the show, we also have an email as well, don't we, Callum? <laughs> I'm just laughing. Could you imagine if, if you were a diehard fan of Mortal Kombat and you listened to this episode because you knew we were talking about it and we just delivered that shit? <laughs> Yeah. So I've just, I've just, just, this happened. I've just, this Neither happened. of us care. <laughs> Neither of us care, but we're all in. Oh god! I'm just, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, I'm so sorry. Tell us why. Go right in to motionspod at gmail and tell us why we should care more about Mortal Kombat. I, I want to care about it. I want to, I want to love it. Uh, we also have a Spotify link. You've done that. We're on the gram. I've though. done Spotify. You've done the Spotify. We're on the gram though. I say the gram. I like to say. It. I don't actually have an Instagram myself, um, but we're on the gram. Your, your social media challenged me, so yeah, I hate it. I hate social. Well, doesn't yeah. everyone? But um, yeah, and also thank you to KTC email. Designs. Email. I did it. I did the email. I said write in about Mortal Kombat, and I'm trying uh, to trying to give our lovely it? graphic designer a plug. And you're you're just shouting email down the phone, oh, down the phone, <laughs> down the phone. That's how that's that's how that's how media challenged you are. You think we're actually communicating over a phone? All the old right dog now. and bone. We're recording the podcast with two tin cans and a bit of string probably Absolutely. wouldn't be that long bit of string how how long of a, a bit of a string big, would it be and a big gramophone we actually <laughs> record these on wax discs once again a big thank you to ktc graphic design for our lovely artwork we yeah. i love it every single time i open up uh, the phone and listen and look at the podcast art is great you were about to say listen to your own podcast weren't you oh uh, no i wasn't because i never listened to my own podcast i hate the sound of my own voice <laughs> I hate the sound of your voice too. Yeah. What? Oh no! I was about to make that joke. I was about to say, but I hate the sound of your voice more. But you just pipped me to the post. God damn it! Right, I'm putting an end to this. I do, but we're getting a lot of really uh, nice feedback from that uh, graphic design piece, and that, that's and I think we're, we've got some plans in the in the ether to try and do some more maybe competitions and stuff with that down the line. So stand by for that. Next yeah. week, mate, I'm doing it. We're doing the five bloods. Right. We're cool. doing it. This is another movie that I think will be one of the best movies you've seen of 2021. Interesting. And it's another Vietnam movie as well. Love that. We're staying topical. We're staying Amazing. relevant. It's like a two-parter. The Trial of Chicago 7 is part one and The Five Bloods is part two. Is this the one? Is this the one where somebody says "Good morning Vietnam" in it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, cool. That must be a different. <laughs> that must movie. be a different. Yeah, the Five that Bloods is a... is one of the ones that's also shortlisted for the movie scores this year. Fabulous. So, it's almost like there's a theme. Almost, almost like there's. It's, it's theme. almost like we're gearing up for something. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? The Five Oscars. <laughs> we'll get there, mate. What a shit joke. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave. Thank you very much for listening. We will speak to you again next week. Bye now. All right, guys. Ta ta.